Glad to have you here, both you who are present and uh, those who are joining us uh, via um, internet. We're thankful to be here tonight to be able to to study God's Word. We're continuing in our, our series um, of lessons on life enrichment. And if you remember from last week that we kind of spoke of in a little detail that we're not dealing with clinical depression, but we're talking about just how to get over some of these hard times that we are in during uh, this particular COVID-19 pandemic. So if you'll join me in a word of prayer, we'd appreciate uh, appreciate you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for allowing us today to assemble this evening to hear another portion of your word to grow and to help us, Lord God, to find our confidence in you. Though we face many struggles and trials throughout our life, we know that you are there. We pray, Lord God, that you'll help us always not only to know that, but to trust you, that our faith may grow, that we may be people who have the type of faith, Lord God, that your heroes of faith had, and that greater than them that Jesus demonstrated for us in this life. Please bless us in our minds and be attentive to your word. We may hear it and grow. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. Genesis 47 today. So we are going, here's what we're trying to get to. To this lesson, uh, this introduction here, we're trying to go from uh, our struggles and difficulties to trusting in God and turning things over to Him. That's tough, right? It's easier said than done, but to release all of our fears and give them to God, right? But not the way that, you know, um, we have commonly done it in the past. I've done this. Maybe you haven't. But, you know, I give it to God. But I leave it close enough to me so that if I feel a little edgy, I can always pick it up again, right? I have to be in control. And then we're not supposed to strive to be in control in our service to God. We are supposed to give it to God and leave it. With God, so I want to look at Jacob's life and uh, think about the things that he had gone through, and I want to look at how that that process happens in life as we we go through troubles in our lives, and eventually we learn over time to give it to God. And sometimes we're in a position where we're forced to give it to God. We have to give it to God. Not that we want to, not even that we're ready, but we have to give it to God. And let's. Let's begin to venture into that uh, thought tonight. Genesis 47, beginning at verse 47. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, how many years have you lived? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. So, two things. One, he says, a uh, few in comparison. Well, his father lived, uh, Abraham and Isaac lived much longer than he did. But um, he says, I've lived, I've lived a few years in comparison to their lives, but I've had a lot of trouble in my life. So Jacob came into the world struggling, didn't he? Jacob and Esau wrestling. And Rachel's womb. And they came out as two, two peoples, if you will, two, two nations. There was sibling rivalry, um, 
between Jacob and Esau growing up. And remember that story, that account that we read where, where Jacob was uh, preparing a savory dish for his father because his mom told him to. And remember that Esau came home with the kill, but he was, he was famished at one point in his life before that instance. And what did he do? He sold his birthright. He sold his birthright for uh, some red stuff, the text says, for some red stew. And you remember what happened? That father, the father blessed the one child. It was Jacob. And he had rightfully earned the birthright through a sale, if you will. But boy, that infuriated Esau. Jacob was told to run to run to Laban's house. Or, or should I say just run. Run to a family member. And it was Laban. Because your brother's going to kill you. Sibling rivalry at, at its worst. And he fled because of his brother's anger. And, and, and when he, he got there, he, he found this woman that he really loved. And he wanted to marry her. And Laban said, if you work for seven years, you can marry her. So he loved this girl, and he worked for seven years. But that wasn't the wife that he received, was it? No. He received one that he didn't love, right? And Laban said, you'll need to work for another seven years to receive your wife. Rachel. So he did. Work for another week, and then he received his wife, and he had to work for another seven years. And then after that, in his life, his two wives began to squabble. Right? And it was over the birth of a child. Leah was able to bear children, and Rachel could not. So he already has two wives, but he only wanted one. (laughs) And then throughout the process of the childbearing war, he ends up with four wives and over 12 children. And now he has to take care of. While living with Laban, they they eventually fled. Laban had uh, changed his wages ten times. He felt cheated. Goes off with his family. And he meets Esau, right? Thank God things worked out well. But anyway, in his journey or through his journeys, he eventually wrestles with the angel. And now he has a broken hip. He's had some real hard times in his life. And as he journeyed, the love of his life, Rachel, died. And then later on in his life, from what he was told, back to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37 and verse 31. His beloved son also died. Although Joseph did not die. But he was told and he believed that he did. Verse 31. So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. 
they sent the very colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. Then he examined it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So Jacob tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. Then all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, Surely I will go down to Sheol in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites uh, sold him into Egypt and to Potiphar, uh, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. And so here's this pit that's in his stomach that remains there for quite some time. His son, his favorite son, dead. As he continues in his life, comes this very severe famine. Famine that plagues the whole entire world. And throughout this famine, his, his son, Simeon, and all the boys go except for Benjamin over to Egypt. And they all come back except for Simeon, who is left in prison. And now things even get worse. They get worse for him in his life because now they want his son Benjamin. And they say, we have to take him to Egypt if we're able to get any more food. Jacob, he said, I haven't lived out as many days as my fathers, Isaac and Abraham. But the days that I have lived, I've had a really hard road. And so you think about life and all the troubles that come our way and, and how life can really can really get you down. But that confidence in God is where we're trying to get to, where we can learn through life to, to accept the things that we cannot change and not allow life to get us so far down in the dumps to where uh, we're always finding ourselves trying to climb out of a deep, deep pit. So Genesis 42 in verse uh, 33. Genesis 42 in verse 33. And life can, can, can give us some amazing twists, right? That puts us deep, deep, deep into that dungeon of despair. It makes it really, really difficult. Verse 33 of Genesis chapter 42. And the man, the Lord of the land said to us, by this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine for your household and go. But bring your youngest brother to me that I may know that you are not spies, but honest men. And I will give your brother to you and you may trade in the land. Now it came about as they were emptying their sacks that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were dismayed. And their father Jacob said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and you would take Benjamin. All these things are against me. That feeling, again, as we looked at Paul earlier uh, in, in our last week rather that the world is crushing you right it, it's 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 
you know, if you will, it's, um, the pressure is too much. And then again, we, we know our brother will always say to us, don't worry, it's never more than you can bear. It's never, and we know the scripture says that. We have this academic knowledge. We understand it's in the scriptures. And it's not that you don't believe it in this very difficult time, but it doesn't change how you feel. Right? And that spiraling effect, once you get into that, that, that groove, that spiraling effect is hard to turn around and climb back up. But it's easier to continue to get deeper and deeper into this, this pit of despair. And it becomes more and more difficult to climb out. So here, uh, he says, you know, listen, look at my life. Look at my life. You bereave me of my children. Look at verse 37. Here's one of the reasons why, um, we, we say when you, when you're studying about and speaking to someone who is struggling with depression, why, um, they usually like to be alone because people just don't understand, right? Just don't understand. So look at Reuben. Listen to what he says. Then Reuben spoke to his father saying, you may put my two sons to death. If I do not bring him back to you, uh, put him in my care and I will return him to you. Now, what, what a thing to say to a grandfather. <laughs> the grandfather just says, you bereave me of my children, right? Joseph is no more, and, and Simeon is no, is no more, and now you're gonna take Benjamin, and his mind he's saying, and then Benjamin will be no more, and then you say, oh, you know what, why don't you just take my two children, and if I don't come back with, you know, with Simeon and, and Benjamin, then kill my boys. What a thing to say. <laughs> People don't really know what to say, and, and it's best to, uh, I think, you know, mama always said that, when you don't know what to say, be quiet. <laughs> right? um, and so, so Reuben, who just does not understand the way his father feels, sends, if you will, a, a proposition to him that absolutely makes no sense at all. And, and when you're in that pit, uh, you know, it would have been easy for, for Jacob to say, oh, now I'm just an animal, you know, or something like that. You know, it's for him to think, why would you think that way of me? Is that the way everyone thinks of me? Because my life has been so difficult. And we begin to, to, you know, have this battle, right, in the head. And this battle goes on and on and on. And it's a, it's just a terrible battle that goes on. And you know, we try to do, try to snap out of it, but, but it's tough. And again, this is one of the reasons why people who struggle with, uh, with depression, uh, usually uh, lean often towards being alone because people really don't know what to say. Now, now prayerfully, when we, as we continue through this, we're going to have solutions and tools and, and things like that to help us through this. But I, wanna, I want everyone to understand so that if, uh, if you're in a position where you have the opportunity to help someone who is in a, a deep depression, especially during this pandemic or whatever it may be in life, uh, you'll find maybe you'll have tools You'll have tools that you can use uh, with the get by the gift of God to be able to help someone who's in that in that downward spiraling uh, emotion and having a really really difficult time uh, pulling themselves out. And it's and it's tough. It's almost like you you reach your hand down and and you you want to help, but um, and you say, well, they just don't want help. And it's not that it's not that they don't want help. Is that they don't know where to go for help. And even though you're standing there and you, you are the one trying to help them. Remember I talked about panic attacks and that there's this level of confusion that comes in. It really plagues, it plagues the mind. Um, anyway, so 
there's a whole lot more to this, this topic. But let's look at verse 38. Verse 38. But Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on the journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. In other words, I'm going to die such a miserable death, a death of misery because my son's gone. You know, these are the two favorites, right? So the heart of, of Jacob is revealed, you know, that he has been struggling for a very long time with sorrow because of the difficulties in life that have come his way. Look at chapter 44. And there are so many people in the world, even, you know, today who are, who are struggling in, in so many ways in this idea, this thought that to bring someone down, to bring them down so they're so depressed that, you know, they have no reason to live anymore, right? How, how true that's been in our world. Right? And it's sad. Verse 27 of chapter 44. 44 verse 27. And your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. And the one who went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm befalls him, you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. And so as the explanation comes, my father, my father is going to die of emotional distress. He's going to, my father's not going to be able to handle this. For some, there are heart attacks and other physical ailments that come people's way through uh, really very deep uh, sorrow struggles and here the explanation is you got to understand how important this is that we all come back to our father alive look at verse 30 verse 30 now therefore when i come to your servant my father and the lad is not with us since his life is bound up in the lad's life it will come about when he sees that the lad is not with us that he will die. Thus your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol. When he sees that that Benjamin is not with us, it's over. The this 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 older man, he can't handle it. He can't handle the stress. What do you do in a situation like this, right? Where you're at that tipping point and you're thinking to yourself, you know, one more thing and I'm going to tip over. And, and what I encourage you to do is not to think about what isn't there. In other words, the one more thing hasn't happened yet. So don't dwell on the one more thing. Try at this point, try real hard to pray a lot, Right? And pray and read the scripture and pray and read the scripture and pray to try to get your mind out of that, uh, that, that, I call it a funk. I don't know what else to say about it. This, this mood that you're in that is very, 
very difficult to climb out of. It's easier to go downhill, much more difficult to go uphill. And so to turn around and to go back uphill to fight against this, this terrible, terrible mental anguish, this mental condition that you found yourself in, it's really difficult. It is a struggle. It is, it is a struggle. And, and maybe if you've never been through this, you, you don't understand what kind of a struggle it really is. And, and even though someone may try to give you a hand up and, and reach your hand out to help you, it, it isn't always enough. And, and, well, you say, well, it should be enough. But yes, but it isn't always enough. The feeling that, that I can't live without you. You've heard, you've heard that term before, right? Sometime in life, someone has said, uh, in some relationship, you know, I can't live without you. And some people have literally, uh, taken their own lives because they believe that to be true. I found myself in situations in people's lives where, um, they were very suicidal and I come in there and the problem is I can't live without you. Speaking about their, you know, fiance, girlfriend, wives, whatever it may be. What do you do in that situation? Down so deep in despair, you have to find uh, the ability, or should I say, the trust and confidence in God, and have the tools to be able to use them to help a person out of that very difficult and desperate situation. And, and I'll tell you this, it's not really up to you, because if a person is going to, uh, in their life, there's really not a whole lot we can do. But we'll do the very best that we can do, right? And so this is a very, very important subject that we're looking at today. Verse 34 of chapter 44. Misery. Uh, For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me, lest I see the evil that would overtake my father? So I, I love the sympathy here at this point, right? There's this this measure of, of sympathy, empathy, if you will. The, the, he knows he can't go home empty-handed. Right. It's nice when you when you know something, right, you know, you know, you can't. And what that does, it makes us or it it causes us to go that extra step, you know, to go the extra step. I really love the idea of never giving up on people, you know, go the extra step, go the extra mile. The Bible says, don't give up. Keep working at it. Keep working at it. Keep helping those who uh, at this moment may have a need. And one day it may be you. Right? right, And so keep working at it and never give up. Continue to strive for, uh, one might say, excellence. Continue to strive to help uh, someone who is having a very difficult time in life. And I can only imagine the apostles, you know, um, and how difficult, though they were spread out, the majority of their missionary journey in the Lord, that the, you know, the, the second half of everything. Uh, but in the beginning, they were all together. Acts chapter 8, I believe it is. Everyone scattered. Everyone scattered but the apostles. Acts 8, 1 through 3 at the uh, onslaught of, of the apostle. Well, before he's an apostle, excuse me. Saul, who is now persecuting the church. And the Bible says all the Christians scattered, but the apostles remain in Jerusalem. And I can only imagine them trying to encourage each other, saying, brethren, it's going to be all right. Right? But they had this amazing ability and faith that... um you know, that God gave to them, this miracle, miraculous, in the miraculous days, if you will. They were able to continue on and, and go out and, and preach uh, the word. And, and they had, a, you know, the Christians were in catacombs at one point. They were hiding for their lives and, and knowing that at any moment their lives could end in service to Jesus. But they still were willing to serve Jesus. But it was a very real time. And so when the Bible's written, 
uh, and you're reading these New Testament letters and these New Testament books, it's, a, it's during a time where, where life and death were very real, right? I mean, it's very real for us, and I get that. But I mean, the very fact that today you could go out of your home and you could, you could literally find a Roman soldier and he would, he would put you to death because you are a child of God. And so there had to be something, and God knew this, that would bring a person out of that, that despair, that moment of despair, that dungeon, and lift them up and allow them to have the courage and the faith to continue on and even to become a Christian in the face of death. And what do you think that was? The Bible. Right? How often do you read the Bible? That's the key. You see, the key to our health, if you will, and in a time like this, instead of saying there's nothing, there's there's everything God has given us, everything pertaining to life and godliness. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. Read the Bible all the way through, and then when you're finished, do it again. And when you're finished, do it again. And when you I mean for the rest of your life, read it and read it. You know what I love about Proverbs? Proverbs has thirty um, chapters in it. And uh if you, if you read a chapter a day, at the end of thirty days, the whole book's read, right? Not a bad deal, right? Just and, and you know, and then you get excited, and you get motivated, and you jump over to Ecclesiastes and add that into your your regimen of, of reading. Um, read it, read it every day, every, and that's what's missing. That's the missing link in faith, right? To read, and you can't tell me that doesn't work because that's what God gave us, right? God gave us that, right? What was that sign? Who would you say? Oh, 31. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you read it every day. And as you read it, and you read it, and you read it, and you read it, something happens. What happens? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It helps to strengthen the mind, right? It helps to strengthen the mind in a spiritual way that, that brings us through and so we have accounts like Jacob. You can read about Jacob and you can read. And you know the end of this, right? The end of this is it worked out. As horrible as this was, it all worked out. Right? And, you, and there are so many accounts where you, we can see we have this holistic view of the whole, you know, the life and journey of all of God's people and even those that weren't God's people. And you look at it from Genesis to Revelation and there's this thread. And you know what happens with God's people every single time? It works out. It works out, right? It always works out. And so through the, through the scriptures, if you read it, if you read them every day, and you, you dig and you dig and you dig, something will happen to your mind. Your mind will begin to do what Romans 12 says. It will begin to transform. And that's what you need. That's what we need. That's what I need. This transformation. When the Christians were struggling and didn't know where to go, God gave them a book, and God gave them letters, and said, here, read this, and this will help you. And I don't know if we always believe that. And, and you know, I, I, sometimes um, uh, when you're, you're sitting down, and you've ever been really um, in an emotional uh, you know, situation where you're angry, right? It could be anger or frustration or whatever it is, and, and you just don't, oh, I don't know what to do, and you just pick the Bible up, and you just open it up and start reading. <laughs> Eventually, you'll forget what you were angry about. <laughs> I know old age does that too, but, <laughs> right? but but prior to that, condition your mind and prepare it for the battle that Satan is going to bring into your life. 
right? We condition as athletes, we condition um, our, our minds in so many ways. Condition your mind for the spiritual battle that's going to come because it is going to come if it hasn't already come and if it's not already in your life today. It's going to come. So now over to Genesis chapter 43. At some point, here's what has to happen. At some point, whether we're forced to or whether we're able to willingly give it over to God, at some point, we have to learn to release our fears and release our struggles and release our mindset, whatever it is that's holding us back, right? Hebrews 12, lay aside the sin that so easily entangles you. I'm not saying that depression is a sin, but I'm using the generic principle. Try to lay something aside and give it to God, but don't go back and pick it up. Okay, so watch what happened. Verse 11 of Genesis chapter 43. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best products of the land in your bags and carry down to the man as a present a little balm and a little honey, aromatic gum, myrrh, pistachio, nuts, and almonds. And take double the money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and arise. Return to the man, and may God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man, that he may release to you your old, your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So in the middle of a famine, severe famine, he gives the best that he has. Because he desperately wants his, obviously his children back. He wants success. He gives double the money and the money that was taken. He tries to set everything up in such a way to where he was almost guaranteed that his boys would all come home. And you know none of that was necessary. Because it was all in the, it was all in the makings of God. God already had the plan, already figured out. And I'm not saying that we're not supposed to do the very best that we can. Yes, do the very best that you can. But this is the key. Do what you can. Don't try to stretch yourself beyond what you're able. Only do what you can. And for some, you can do more. And for others, you can only do less. But whatever it is that you can, do something. And then if you're in that, that moment or that mode of depression, you don't want to do big things anyway. Right? I mean, no matter how you, when you, whenever you study this, you learn, never make big decisions when you're struggling with depression. Always take tiny baby steps. It's even best not to really make a decision at that point in time and rely on others that you trust and love. But here this, in this instance right here, he says, take the best of what we have. Take back what we owe and take double to get more. And God willing, these boys are going to come back. And I love when he finally releases it in verse 14. May God Almighty grant you compassion in the sight of the man that he may release to you your other brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. May God Almighty grant you compassion. Right? 
It's not about the gifts. In the end, it's not about, it's not about all that I have done. It's all about God. Right? And that's letting it go. That's letting it go. After I've done all that I can, after I've done my very absolute best, I have to leave it in the hands of God. And may God grant compassion and success to His people. May God grant you in this moment, in this hour, compassion and success to the difficulties that we face in life. Look, if you will, at chapter 45. And things aren't always the way they seem. Right? You ever heard this saying, um, so maybe someone said it about you, or maybe you've said it yourself, but the thought is out there. This person sure can make a molehill into a mountain. You ever heard that? Yeah, right. You ever, you ever done that before? You ever, you ever had a situation in your life, and you just started thinking about what could happen? And then, you know, by the time you're finished, the list, you're out of paper, because it, there's so many things that could happen. And then, in the reality of life, most things that we worry about never actually happen. Which is kind of interesting, right? So, what could happen? Think about Jacob over the next several weeks or months, whatever it may be. What do you think he was doing an awful lot of every day and every night? He's praying. God, please bring my boys home. God, but isn't that what we should always be doing? It's one of those things. It's one of those habits. Earlier the habit we spoke of was reading the Bible Every day. And I mean digging. Not just reading it like a newspaper. Digging and trying to allow God to open your mind up. Right? To be able to see things that are important uh, to life. But then also, staying active in prayer. An awful lot of prayer. Pray and pray and pray and pray. And when you're finished praying, pray some more. Stay in prayer. Not when the bad times happen. Try to, not that we're saying not to pray during those times. But try to always pray in good times as well as in bad times, right? Pray, 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 pray. How often did Jesus pray? You know, I mean, he prayed a lot. Why would Jesus have to pray? Because he came and took on flesh like the rest of us. And he showed us the secret, if you will, which is really not a secret. The secret to spiritual life and the, spe- the secret to, to accomplishments in life in a spiritual way is achieved through prayer, Right? But how many of us wake up, say a prayer in the morning, and go the rest of our day and say a prayer at night? That's not the way a Christian is supposed to live their lives. We're supposed to stay in prayer, right? We're supposed to stay in prayer to our God. So things, things when you pray about them and you release them to God, even if we don't pray about them, release them to God, they don't always, things aren't always what they seem, right? Uh, we, we think we have this, this, this control and we think, oh, this is, the, this is the purpose of God and this is the way it's going to turn out. And it doesn't always turn out the way that we expect it to. So chapter 40, 45, uh, beginning in verse 5. This is uh, Joseph, the end of the whole ordeal. And now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. 
Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. So God, wait a minute. So God was turning the life events in such a way to where he softened the heart of Pharaoh by giving this young boy Joseph dreams. And the dreams that Joseph had, we hated him for them. We didn't understand the whole thing, and so it made us envious, and we couldn't even speak kindly to our brother. We sold him into Egypt. We were going to kill the boy, but decided to sell him into Egypt. We sold him into Egypt, but all of this was God's way of getting Joseph to Egypt to save the world. Wow. Sometimes, oftentimes in life, things aren't always what they seem. And a very powerful lesson to learn in life is this one. It's found in verse 24. Verse 24. So he sent his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, Do not quarrel on the journey. This is not the time to fight. Once this revelation from God is revealed, it's not time to fight about it. See, I told you. It's not, no, that's not, it's not time for that. It's a time for prayer. It's a time to to give it to God, to thank God, to rejoice in uh, the blessings of God. It's, it's a time to, to uh, become excited in the fact that God noticed you. <laughs> How great, right? That God noticed you and God knew you and that God was there to direct and to care for and to comfort and to keep. And then comes that question. Yeah, but I really want to know. <laughs> like, like Job, right? You know, I really want to know, you know, why is Job suffering? You know, in, in the book of Job, God never tells us why Job suffered. Never told us. I mean, we know it was Satan. We read that and we, we get all the information. But God never answered Job's question. <laughs> you know, why, why am I suffering? He never answered the three boys' question. Why are you suffering? God didn't do that because it's not. some things are not for us to know. What is for us to know is that it is what it is. Do all that you can in service to God. And while you're going through life, good and bad, keep your face like we do our cell phones, but keep your face in the Word of God, right? Keep our head down and keep looking to the Lord. Keep looking to God in prayer, looking up, and keep looking down into His Word and allow God to direct our steps. So Job says in chapter 14 and verse 1, a man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Trouble is going to come. It's amazing. The Bible reveals that to us. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and look at, look at verse 1. <laughs> Again, a revelation that trouble is going to come. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. And then it goes on to describe old age. Right, it does. That's what Ecclesiastes twelve. It goes. It goes. It basically it takes your life, and it says, "Here you are. You're young, right? You're strong and resilient, and all those things. But over time, you're going to grow weaker and weaker and weaker. And things that didn't bother you before are going to stop bothering you now. And things that used to work aren't going to work any longer." And then things that used to be steady won't be steady any longer. They'll start to tremble. And he says, through all of this, 
through life, through all of this, through life, he says, here's the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. Right? So you've got to stay in the book, reading and studying and learning and growing and stay constantly in prayer. Now, I ask you this question. Uh, I've kind of been wrapping up. We've got a few more scriptures and then we'll close. I ask you this question. I ask myself the same question. Are you spending enough time reading God's book, number one? Number two, are you spending enough time in prayer? Great questions, right? Great questions. How do I transform my mental state? How do I help myself to the best of my ability and the greatness of God? How do I do that? Through the reading of God's word and through prayer, right? Now, Psalm 23 and, and verse, verse 4. Psalm 23 and verse 4. We're going to come back to Psalm 23, by the way, when we're studying this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so, the fear of evil, or the valley, rather, the shadow of death, and the fearing of evil, he says, I'm in this valley I'm in this zone of life where I don't have the answers. I don't know which way to go. I'm struggling. I'm mentally confused. I, I just don't know where to go. Allow God, if possible, you know, before you get to that moment, allow God to help you. And he will continue to help you. And then you just find how much faith did God say? The faith of a mustard seed, just a little bit just to trust in God just enough to get through that moment. Because the things that I can do in good times are not always the same things that I can do in bad times. So you do what you can. Okay, closing. Romans uh, chapter 10 and verse 17. And you know the scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith. You get it through reading. So I encourage you again. Spend an awful lot of time reading God's Word. Spend an awful lot of time in prayer. And allow God to transform your mind in a way that you and I cannot do ourselves. But the Gospel and Jesus can transform us in a way that helps us to be better spiritual thinkers than we have been. And helps us to remember God in those times of despair in our lives. So the lesson is yours. We'll come back low willing and pick up with um, the next phase of this uh, study. And I hope that something is said to help in some way. Again, this, these are just, we're looking at life and we're looking at just tools that uh, may possibly help. Some will work better for others and some will work better on the other hand for others. Uh, but prayerfully, you'll find something, just one thing that will help you in your journey. So thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. God bless each and every one of you.